Hey there, yellow chicken nuggets. It's me, Carl. Welcome to camp, or retreat, or whatever you call it. I just have a couple rules to go over with you guys. Well, just one rule. Rule number one, have fun, and that's it. Just having fun at camp. There are no rules. Well, I mean, just the one rule, having fun. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in to What's the Wi-Fi Password? The message you're about to listen to is from our 2020 high school winter camp at Mount Hermon. This was an awesome weekend full of shenanigans, teachings, and community with other churches across California. Hope you enjoyed. All right, Saturday morning. How's everybody feeling? Wow, that's a lot more lively than I thought. How many people got eight hours of sleep? Who's disciplined in the room? Wow, a couple of guys, okay. Back there. Who got seven? A good seven. Six? Okay. All right. Who, who collectively got five hours? Five? Oh, man, you're hurting then. How about four? Do you even remember if you got four? Three? A couple people? Three? Two. Say it ain't so. Really? You're not even parents. What's, what's the deal? One hour? Who's a straight up vampire and just stayed up all night, didn't sleep? You! What's wrong with you? How are you even here? That's crazy. Oh, man. Hey, well, it's good to see you guys. My name is Riley. I'm uh, one of the pastors at Calvary Monterey. Wow. Whoa. All right. Here we go. Um, that wasn't a flex or anything. It was just saying wh- who I am. And uh, I, uh, I get to lead our young adult group at Calvary Monterey. And uh, so it's actually fun for me to be with high schoolers. It's been a long time since I've been at a high school camp. I'm 30 years old now. I'm an old guy. Whoa. And, um, but it was at high school winter camp where God really got a hold of my heart when I was a, a junior in high school. And so um, it's always really great to be here at Mount Hermon, to uh, be here at these camps. Uh, just very thankful uh, to be here. And I hope that you guys have a really great time uh, this weekend, that you open up your hearts to the Lord, uh, to each other, and that you have just a lot of fun. I know that we've been hearing no pranks and stuff, but when I was at high school winter camp, we had pillow fights. I'm talking just like, like play around pillow fights. I'm talking like people put wadded socks in their pillowcases and wham, just like would hit people. And it sounds bad, but it was really fun. So I hope that you guys ransack some cabins or something. Give your, give your leaders something to discipline, okay? Don't make it too easy for them. I hope Josh doesn't call me out for saying that, but have some good old fun, some good old fun. I'm not going to be here tonight, so I can just say whatever. I'm out of here in a little bit, so. Let's, uh, let's take a moment to pray, uh, but before we um, pray, get your Bibles out. We're in John 6 this morning. John 6, and if you want to put your finger on verse 35, we'll be there. Lord, thank you so much for this weekend. We believe, Lord, that you're here. I love that last song that we just sang just a real confession to you, Lord, that 
man, if we've been making things about the wrong things, if we've had our focus in the wrong places, Lord, this is the time when we want to reprioritize your vision for our lives um, for us. So we pray right now, Lord, that as we get into your word, after just a little bit of sleep and a little bit of food, that you would just speak to us, energize us. Um, give us, Lord, yourself. May we be people who are devoted to you, but also who love out of the love that you first have given to us. So we pray that you would have your way here. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Have you guys ever been hungry? I'm sure you have been hungry. Have you ever been hungry but didn't know what you were hungry for? You ever have that moment where you're like, man, my stomach tells me I'm really hungry, but my mind is just very confused. You're like, am I even in the same body anymore? It feels very confusing. You ever have that moment when you actually find that thing that you're really hungry for and you eat it, how satisfying it is? Is it just me? Okay, so some people here, you're just quiet this morning. I get it. Okay, that's cool. I'm 30 years old now, like I said. I feel like I've found in my life the food that my body always wants, no matter if I don't know what I want or what, what I do. I want always, even if my body's confused, I want a quesacado. You guys ever heard of a quesacado before? Nobody. Let me just blow your mind for a second, okay? You're going to go home. You're going to love this. You make a quesadilla, tortilla, cheese, tortilla, microwave, pull it out of the microwave, cut up an avocado. This is where it gets exciting. Slice up the avocado, put on one half of the quesadilla, fold the quesadilla, quesacado. It's like a taco, but it's a quesadilla. No meat, just quesadilla and avocado. And I'm always hungry for that. I could go for it right now. I just had breakfast, but I could definitely go for it right now. It is so good. I know my body always wants it. In this passage that we're about to read, Jesus sees that mankind, you and I, the people he was talking to at this time, they had an appetite for something. And they, they thought that they knew what they needed. But Jesus saw them and said, actually, I see something more deeper that you need. You don't even know what you truly need, but I see it. And I'm actually going to provide myself as the remedy for this thing that you need. I'm going to satisfy your appetite. And I'm just believing today that all of us have some kind of appetites in this room. You can use your imagination. I don't need to explain it to you. We're all hungry, not just for food, but for all kinds of things. And Jesus is here to speak to your heart today that he is the one who can actually satisfy not just the temporary fix for that hunger, that appetite that you have, but something that's deeper and more lasting that will truly satisfy you. And I think what we'll see here is that he offers his presence to us. So we are in John 6. We're going to be in John 6.35. But before we get to that verse, I got to tell you what we're jumping into. Jesus is talking to some Jewish people and these Jewish people, like I said, they have an appetite for something. They are, first, they are under Roman rule. That doesn't mean a whole lot to us. Basically what that meant to the Israelites was that they were under a kingdom, under a structure that was super oppressive 
to them and their culture, to their worship, to their rights. They were restricted economically, socially, in their worship, all around. They were basically slaves to the Roman government. And they were looking forward to somebody that they had read about in the Old Testament, this prophet, a Messiah, somebody who would come and actually free them from the Roman government, somebody who would stand up and would take names, who would cut for blood, and who would rule in a way that allowed the Israelites to worship freely, to build families, to build businesses, to do life together in the way that God had called them to do. So these people are waiting for that. They're looking for someone to come and to free them from the Roman government. Now, we're in John chapter 6, where Jesus comes in. Jesus is doing his thing. He's teaching, doing miracles. And at the beginning of chapter 6, we see that he does a really wild miracle with five loaves of bread and two fish. He's with 5,000 people, probably more, and he's teaching. It's getting late. The disciples are like, hey, Jesus, like, I don't know if you've seen the time yet. It's getting late. Let's send these people home so that they can eat some food and allow us to get some rest as well. And Jesus says, let's do something a little bit different. What do we got going on here? What, what kind of food do we have here? They find these five loaves of bread, two fish. They give it to Jesus. You know the story. He lifts it up. He blesses it. And he starts to break it. And he gives it to his disciples to give to the people. And he feeds 5,000 people. 5,000 people with this little amount of food. So much so that there's actually extra food. It's a wild miracle. And people see this miracle. And they say, whoa, this looks like stuff that that prophet we're looking for would be doing. This Messiah would be breaking food and giving us food. So we don't have to work anymore. We can just live off of what this guy gives us. So they look at Jesus and say, let's make this guy king. And Jesus hears that. and He doesn't want to be king for those reasons. He withdraws. The disciples also withdraw. They get on a boat. They're going to the other side of Galilee. Um, Jesus follows them. We're just going to blast through this story, but he walks on water. No big deal. Gets on the boat. They go to the other side of the Galilee. The next day, some more Jewish people come to where Jesus was, where he did the feeding, and they look around. They don't see Jesus, uh, but they want to find him. They, they had heard what he was offering, and so they come looking for him, don't find him. They make a journey to the other side of the Galilee as well, and they finally find Jesus. They find Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, what's happening? What are you doing today? You guys uh, making some uh, breakfast? Can we have some breakfast with you? Jesus says that you guys are looking for the wrong things. I know what kind of game you're trying to play here. You're not here just to listen to my teachings, to follow me. You just want another show. You just want another miracle. You just want something to prove that I'm going to be this kind of fabrication of what you think the Messiah should be like. So he's like, look, you guys are looking for the wrong things. You need to be looking for everlasting life. They say, well, that sounds great. Where do we find everlasting life? Jesus says, you need to believe in the one in whom the Father has sent. And they could tell that Jesus was speaking about himself. So they're like, well, Jesus, we'd like to believe you, that you're the one who God has sent, that you're the prophet, that you're the Messiah, but we need some more proof. We'd like for you to 
show us another sign. Something that we can look at and say, whoa, you really are the prophet. So what are you, you going to do? You know, we look back at the story of Moses with the Israelites. And God provided for them manna, this weird food from the ground. You want to do the same thing again today? And Jesus says, I'm not going to be doing that. But instead, I'm going to offer you something better. I'm going to give you the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Now, let's get to John 6, 35. We're going to read verses 35 and onward. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Good news, right? I want us to check out what Jesus is trying to say as he's saying that I am the bread of life. I believe he's saying a few things, three things in particular. The first thing is this. Jesus is saying, I can fill you. Write that down. Jesus says, I can fill you. I can fill you. John six thirty five. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Back in the Old Testament, there's a moment in Israel's history where the Israelites were enslaved, much like the people at this time when they're talking to Jesus were enslaved. Um, they were enslaved to the people of Egypt. But Egypt was way more oppressive. The Israelites under Egyptian rule were straight up slaves, treated horribly, beaten, they were forced to starve. It was really, really bad. But God saw them and chose to deliver them through, oh my gosh, Mo there we go, just the first little letter, Moses. Moses delivered the Israelite people from Egypt through all these plagues. You guys know the stories. They're led out from, from Egypt into the wilderness. Now, the wilderness was great for some reasons, was difficult for other reasons. It was great because the Israelites were not under Egyptian rule anymore. It was tough because there was no grocery stores. There was no way to get food. These people were hungry, and they started complaining, and God saw them and their need for food and said, look, I'm going to provide for you this food from heaven. It's going to grow up from the earth. It's called manna, this word that means, what is it? God provided this weird miracle bread food that satisfied the needs of the people as they were hungry. But that manna, if you guys are familiar with the story, there's a catch to it. That manna would appear in the morning. People could harvest it. They could eat it for 24 hours. After 24 hours, it'd get rotten, stanky, nasty, turn into garbage, 
and they had to throw it away. The idea was that the Israelites every single day would have to trust in the Lord for his provision. Jesus is looking back to this story that the Israelites knew very well, and he says, look, you guys are looking for another version of manna right now. You're just looking for more bread, more stuff to fill your stomachs. But I'm here to give you something more better. I'm here not just to provide for you, but I'm actually here to satisfy you so that you never have to hunger or thirst ever again. And so he's speaking about that in a very, I think in a, in a literal way, because Jesus fed people multiple times, but in a deeper way. He was saying, look, all this searching you're doing, I can satisfy you wholeheartedly. I can satisfy you so much that you'll be able to not just think about yourselves anymore, but be able to serve the people around you. And this is a sweet part of being in the Christian faith. When Jesus gets into your life, he satisfies you, makes you whole, and allows you to live life for other people. I'm here with my wife, Chesley. Get up one time for my wife. I don't know where she's at. She's the best. She's from the South. She's my my tall glass of sweet tea, my Southern Belle. I love her. And uh, I don't know where she is. Maybe she bounced out. She's, oh, you're right there. Okay. Before we got married um, and before we were engaged and dating and everything, I had heard about the Chesley Hudson. It was a, it was a name that I revered, that I desired. It was a name that I uh, was too hungry for. I just, I just, I wanted to be with this woman so desperately. And all my friends knew it. It was kind of embarrassing. If any one of you came to me in the same way that I was when I wanted to be with her, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. You need to calm down and take a cold shower. But I, I remember telling uh, one of my older pastors about Chesley. I didn't even know her yet. I just knew about her. And he was like, dude, you're in a weird place right now, but you need to take some time and you need to spend some time with the Lord. You need to get your fullest identity and satisfaction from your relationship of God. Like Pastor Matt was saying last night, you need to know whose you are. And as you learn that, you'll be satisfied and actually able to love this woman in a way that she truly needs. You won't be looking to her to satisfy every single thing that you think you want. But you'll, able, you'll be able to love her, to care for her, and to cherish her in a special way. And this is so true. Can I just speak to you guys for a moment about relationships? This is just like a little deviation for a moment. If you're looking at somebody, my, that person might even be in this room. If you're in a place where you say, I need them. I can't go on without them. Let me tell you, you can. Just newsflash. You can. It's hard, I know. There may be no one else like them in the whole world. But trust me, you'll be okay. You truly need to find your fulfillment in your relationship with God. Those desires for affirmation, those desires to be told that you're beautiful, that you're wanted, that you're attractive, that you're needed, that you're desired. God gives that all to you in a way that no other person can or even should even attempt to do. 
He says, I love you. I care for you. And those, those hungers, those appetites that you have, I can satisfy them, not in a temporary kind of way, but in a way that lasts. Whoever comes to me, whoever shall never hunger, shall never thirst. The bottom line here is that Jesus is offering contentment. He's offering contentment. So Jesus is saying, I can fill you. He's also saying, the hunt is over. The hunt is over. John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. The ancient Jews, when they were looking for this manna, they had this ritual every single day where they had to wake up and go outside and hope to find manna. Every single day was an act of trust, an act of faith to see, man, is God going to provide again? Is manna going to be there again? So they had to go out, I'm sure with fingers crossed and their eyes closed, they'd look out and they'd find some manna. But they had to hunt for it every single day. Jesus is suggesting to the Israelites that he's talking to at this moment that they don't need to hunt anymore. They don't need to go outside looking for satisfaction. They don't need to go anywhere to look to be filled or to be full ever again. They can go to one place at every single moment of the day. They can come to Jesus. They can come to Jesus. The hunt is over. You know exactly where to go. You can go to the foot, the feet of Jesus. And, and one of my favorite things that Jesus says here is that he will never cast you out. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can say. There's nothing that will ever cause Jesus to push you out from his presence. Getting pushed out is the worst. It is the worst. I used to work at uh, Embassy Suites, good old hotel. I was a bellman, and I was not the best bellman. I'm, I'm removed enough now to be able to look at it. I'm confident enough to say, I just wasn't the best. I can, I can recognize that now. I was the kind of bellman who I get a call from somebody like, yo, we need two towels as soon as possible. I'm like, that sounds great. I'll bring you three. And then I go to the back room. I get toilet paper or something and bring it upstairs. Like, what are you bringing in here? I didn't ask for this. I was not the best. I had to write everything down. I was not the best performer, but I really did like the job. I had a great team I worked with, a great manager, and there was a point in time when new management came in. New management, dun dun dun. And I had a boss who did not like me very much. He, uh, I mean, I had gotten better at the job, but the big thing that he didn't like, the thing that he started to push me out about was that I was a Christian. I, I asked for Sundays off. And he's like, man, these Christians, always want to get out of work, taking Sundays off. What's wrong with these people? They're all the same. And uh, I was like, I'm really sorry, man. It's just like we all get together on Sundays. We should, we should close the hotel on Sundays. Um, his way of dealing with me was super passive aggressive. He's like, yo, okay, so Riley's got like 40 hours this week, but next week I, I think I'm just going to give him like eight. Just give him like eight hours. You know, this next week, let's just give him no hours. 
he started just like actually literally, quite literally, phased me out of working. But he didn't want to fire me. He just wanted me to quit. And I eventually had to quit because I wasn't getting enough hours. It was really awkward. And I hated it. Getting pushed out is the worst. But Jesus, man, he never pushes out. He's never going to be passive aggressive with you. He's never going to go behind your back and speak badly about you. He's never going to make you, he's never going to lead you to believe one thing and actually do another thing. He, he loves you. He's honest. He's caring. He wants to draw you in to his presence. He will never push you aside. The question for us really is, will we always want to be with him? He always wants you in the family. He's always got a place for you at the dinner table. So the hunt is over. You know where to go. To go to Jesus. The third thing that Jesus says here is to look up. Look up. John 6, 39 through 40 says this, And this is the will of him, God the Father, who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Now for us, we look at this. This sounds great, right? Everyone who looks at Jesus and believes in him has eternal life and will be raised up on the last day. That's good news. There's actually a deeper implication, though, that Jesus is getting at here. This is like a nuanced kind of truth that the Israelites would have known immediately about what he was saying. Jesus is actually referring to a passage right here in Numbers 21. He's actually using similar language to what's actually said in Numbers 21. You can turn there if you want. I'm just going to paraphrase this for you. So, ancient Jews, wilderness, looking for food. They're provided for from God. The, the Israelites were in a really crazy time. God was leading them through the wilderness. You guys remember how he was doing that? He appeared as a fire. What's the second thing? In a cloud. By night, he was a pillar of fire so everybody could see him. And during the day, he was this cloud of smoke. Miraculous stuff. Crazy stuff. God is leading the people through the wilderness. He's providing food for them. It's not the most comfortable lifestyle, you know, if you guys have ever been camping or something. It's, it's fun, but there comes a time when you're like, let's just get back home. It, it's, it's uncomfortable. And the Israelites are complaining, 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 complaining. It's like, man, why are we out here in the wilderness? At least in Egypt, we had some food to eat. At least we had places to go to sleep. At least we had some sort of schedule. Man, why aren't we back in Egypt? And God's like, dude, that's a wrong attitude, man. We need to shape up that attitude. And God had multiple ways of disciplining the Israelite people in ways that were appropriate for the times when they started to complain. But enough was enough, man. God's like, let's pull out the big guns right now. This is intense. I'm just going to brace you for a second. God says, these people are crazy. I need to get their attention. I'm going to send snakes to them to bite them. Can you imagine if your parents did that? Or like your youth pastor's like, you guys keep falling asleep? Here's a snake. 
bite you. Be crazy, right? These Israelites would just never pay attention. They just could not say thank you. They could not be grateful. And God's like, man, we got to turn this thing around. So these snakes would come to the Israelites, would bite them, poison them. But God looked at Moses and said, yo, Moses, make a bronze serpent. Put it in a place where everybody can see it. When they get bit, tell them to look at the bronze serpent and they will be healed. And so people started getting bit by snakes. It's crazy. They just didn't even repent. And they would look at this snake and they'd be healed. God, he was, what he was trying to communicate the whole time is that I want you. I want you. But you don't want me. So I'm going to discipline you into relationship with me because I know what's best for you. You need to live a life of thankfulness, of gratitude, and I will bring you joy. And Jesus is saying here, look, you guys may be looking back to that story and hoping for another example like that. You want somebody who's going to heal you, who's going to feed you, who's going to take care of you. And I want to do those things. But I want to do something even deeper than that. Those ancient Israelites, they had a sickness from those serpents. But you, and they as well, have a deeper sickness, a deeper brokenness that he's fixing. You got a sin problem. Not just a sin problem, you got a death problem. Jesus is saying, I don't want to just heal sick people and bring them to health. I want to take dead people and make them alive. He says, I'm going to be that serpent on the tree. Look to me. You all need to look to me. You all need to be brought back to life. Jesus is trying to reveal to them a deep, uncomfortable truth that they didn't need just food. They didn't just need Medicare. They didn't just need a new government. They didn't need someone who was just going to try to organize all these things to satisfy their lives. They needed a savior who's going to take dead people back to life, promise eternity with him, and provide a way of living life that through no matter what situation you go through, that you can say thank you, that you can say praise God, and you can say I love you brother and sister. He's bringing a new kingdom, a kingdom unlike the people wanted, but that they truly and desperately needed. So Jesus says, just look up. Just look up. In closing, I've got two points. I think that our response to this can be a few things, but I just want to say two. Here's what Jesus is saying. Come to the table. Come to the table. He's just inviting you into relationship with him. I really like the way Charles Spurgeon talks about coming to faith. He says it like this. Faith in Christ is simply and truly described as coming to him. It is not an acrobatic feat. It is simply a coming to Christ. It's not an exercise of profound mental faculties. It is coming to Christ. I hope you know that today. I hope this can be something that you kind of take into the rest of the weekend with you. That approaching Jesus isn't some specific prayer. It's not some book that you read 
It's not something that your counselor or your leader tells you. Faith is simply coming to God. Simply coming to God. I know you're probably like, where, where, where is he? I don't know where to go. I'm not talking about just literally walking to God. I'm saying, man, you can take a moment right now to close your eyes and just to, in your heart, just say, God, I need you. I'm coming to you. That's it. We all make it so complicated. <laughs> it's so simple. He's made it so easy and desirable for you. He wants to give you life. He says, just come. Just come. That's it. Just come. So just come to the table. There are times, if you guys have grown up in the church, you guys have probably seen this before, where at the end of a sermon, sometimes a pastor will say, all right, if you guys want to respond to the gospel message, get up out of your chair and walk towards the front of the sanctuary. I, for one, think that that's a beautiful demonstration of what Jesus is saying here. To just come. Because what you're doing in that moment is you're saying, I'm going to use my body, my mind, all of who I am. I'm going to take little steps towards walking towards this, this God that I want relationship with. And that might be something you need to do this weekend, just to, with your whole self, stand up and walk, in, in a sense, to God. But you don't have to walk. You can just open up your heart to Him. This, the second and last thing is this. When you come to the table, expect a buffet. Expect a buffet. Don't just expect the scraps, you know. Expect that God wants to give you the, everything you need to truly be satisfied. I think that some of us, myself included, oftentimes, th this Christian faith can just become like an ancillary kind of thing. It's like something I've added to my life. I can kind of take when I'm hungry. But I can go, I can go on, like, on a fast for a little bit, and I'll come back and get a little bit more. But Jesus is saying, look, come here like it's a buffet. Like I'm ready to feed you. Like I'm ready for you to have everything that you want. When, when I was a bachelor, things were not pretty, okay? I used to try to save money by buying very cheap burritos from Safeway. 29 cent burritos. You look at the package and you're like, what is any of these ingredients? This sounds like a totally different language. It was a crazy burrito, but I was so like, I didn't want to dirty a plate. I like heat up the burrito in the microwave, like pull it out. I wouldn't even like, I like hot potato it for a second and go to a trash can, just eat over to the trash can like a rat. Just like, just eat it real quick. It was disgusting. I was a vile human being. Then I met Miss Chesley Hudson. Give it up one time for Chesley Hudson again. Come on. Oh my gosh. Woo! Chesley's from the South. This woman likes food, okay? She likes not just to eat food, but to like go to the store, pick out ingredients. She likes to come home, like put them in the fridge, make a meal plan. Likes to start cooking. Likes to put on some music. Light the candles, turn the lights down a little bit. Likes to set the table. Likes to have plates and a few different forks for different things. And some other glasses for some other things. And likes to actually enjoy eating around a plate, around a table. Likes to not just eat the food, but talk about the food, like what the flavors you're experiencing. I'm like, this tastes good. I, really, yummy. Mmm, yum. I love this. This is really good. I think it's butter. That tastes really good. 
I think that sometimes we could do with a little bit more of that foodie kind of attitude when it comes to our Christian faith. We, we can be people who don't just feast on God's Word, don't just feast on being with the church, who feast on relationship with Christ, but people who, who plan out our days around eating, around feasting on God's Word. It's not just like something you add to your life. It's something you actually build your life around. Jesus promises to fill your life. Those appetites you have, he wants to satisfy them. But it comes through coming to the table. You got to come. He has offered himself to you. He says, come, obey, believe, and look. I'm here for you. Just Turn your head. That's all it is. <laughs> Just walk in the room. I recently went to a, a concert um, in Santa Cruz. It's it actually pretty close to here. It's at the Catalyst. Last weekend, um, Chesley got me a ticket to go see a band that I've loved for a long time. It's a band called Black Flag. It's an old punk band. And um, okay, some punks in the room. I like it. I have their, their logo tattooed on my leg. It's, it's a little extreme. Um, I... Uh, I, I got one ticket because nobody's trying to go see that concert with me. It's like, just, just get out of the house and just go do it. So I went, but, and I had a great time. But before I went, I actually got in touch with the drummer. It's a long story. And uh, he's like, hey, G, when you get to the venue, text me. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I got to the venue. The first band played. He's like, yo, are you here? I was like, yeah, I'm here. He's like, come, come to the merch table. So I come to the merch table. I see him. Super cool guy. Super cool. He's like, dude, let me get you a shirt. I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, okay, cool. Let's, let's take you backstage. I'm going to introduce you to the band. And we get to the barrier, you know, like where the security guards are at. They're just like, yo, this guy can't come in. He doesn't have a tag. And the drummer's like, yo, he's with me. Check out my tag. He's with me. And he starts to raise the thing. And the guard's like, okay, cool. He's good. And so I walk through. I go to this really crappy green room, and one of the guys in the band is one of my favorite skateboarders, Mike Vallely. Like, all my dreams are coming true right now. <laughs> These are not dreams of yours. I, re I realize that. I'm just really excited. So, um, anyways, I got to meet Mike Vallely. He's, he's like, he's like all bobbing, and he's trying to get warmed up for the show. And I was like, hey, what's up, Mike? How you doing? He's like, doing okay. That was it. I was like, that's all I need, man. That's all I need. That was a, that was a great interaction. <laughs> they, like, hang out with me for a minute. He introdu introduces me to everybody. He's like, okay, cool. Like, I need to get warmed up, so let me take you outside real quick. He takes me outside, the drummer. And he looks at me. He's like, dude, I got to just tell you for a second. Like, this stuff you post on Instagram, I just love it. It's so encouraging to me. I'm like, what is happening right now? This guy is taking a moment before he goes on stage to just, like, affirm me and my giftings and, like, who I am as a man. I was like, I haven't done anything for you. This is crazy. He's like, he's like oh, dude, I got to go. He's like, hey, let me take you up to the balcony real quick. I go to the balcony. You got to have the special pass. And he's like, oh, man, you don't have a pass. Oh, okay. He, like, gets, rips off the little tag on his wrist, just pulls it off and gives it to me. He's like, here. After the show, show this to the guards. They'll let you backstage. We'll hang out afterwards. And I'm, my mind is just blown at this point. I'm like, I haven't done a thing for you. Nothing. But you're just giving me all these things. You're really making this way more than a concert. 
This is more than I could have ever expected. It sounds crazy, right? Think about like, your favorite artist doing that for you. That is what Jesus is doing for you in a way deeper way than any band, any artist could ever do for you. That stuff, I would have never expected all that. And I think that some of us don't even have the imagination for what God could truly do in our lives. But Jesus has such a big vision for every single one of you. You may not realize it yet, but as you meet with him, just go to the merch table. Just show up. He wants to lead you through a path so you can see your fullest potential, so you can see the life that he has created for you. He has a life full of purpose and wonder, some hardship, but so much fulfillment. But sometimes I think that we get so caught up with what we want. We just want to go to the concert. We hope that more would happen. But we have no connection. Jesus wants to get into your life. This weekend is a chance for you to break away from everything and to look to Christ and say, I want to go on the ride with you. I want Wherever you lead, I want to go because I believe that you have great plans for me. This, this life that we do, this Christian life, it's a life of sacrifice in a lot of ways. We sacrifice some of our hopes, our dreams to God with the understanding that His way is going to be much better than we could ever truly expect. And so my prayer for you this weekend is that your imagination for what God could do would blow up, that your hope in His future for you would expand, and that you would get tastes, that you get words, that you catch a vision for what God wants to do for you. Just come to the table, look, and believe. Calvary Monterey's youth ministries meet on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. at Calvary Monterey. Both middle school and high school students are welcome. Come on out. You belong here. And I promise, we don't bite.